This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Team Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. Navy Federal Credit Union helps you take control of your finances after the holidays. Learn more at navyfederal.org. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. What's going on, guys? Welcome back. It is a Friday, and it is quite cold outside in Texas. Morning, guys. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. 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 Meatloaf passed away. I know, man. Somebody... I don't know if I want to admit to this on air, but somebody told me I looked like meatloaf once, and that was like the most harmful feeling. It's a compliment, man. Is it a compliment? That's a that's Dude. a why wouldn't it be? It's not the best looking guy in the world, but he has one of the is best. That your, is he's that what, talented. Is, is that your definition of a good dude? He's got to be good looking. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, he's got to be good looking. <laughs> no, no way. You need some depth. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Oh man, that we, guy was a rocker through and through, man. Yeah, that was a compliment. Matter of fact, I might start calling you that. Don't call. Me. <laughs> it changes every name week. tags. Name tags. Oh man, we've got a great guest in store today. Uh, but before we get to that, let's start off with a question of the day. Since it is cold here in Texas, summer or winter? Summer or winter? Which one do you prefer? Summer, all day, every day. Okay. Uh, I I was cold, wet, and miserable long enough, and. I picked the, the sunshine. Yeah. That's a good question. And normally it's like a, you know, it's a, it's a one or the other with us. It's a, I'm a seasonal guy. Like yeah. I, I have to do the season deal to pick, to pick one. Now there are Northern winters and Northern summers and Southern winters and Southern summers, man. True, and, true. and those yeah. are, those are huge. Those are different, right? Yeah. That happy medium thing. I'm, I'm hoping that instead of, instead of climate change, it's kind of climate shift and everything's like growing into this, and Texas just happens to grow into that yes. wonderful <laughs> San Diego weather, right? But we have warm water. <laughs> yeah. Well, I grew up in Michigan. And oh, yeah. The winters are cold. Cold, They're man. long. And you can't ever see the sun in the month of January. So I've experienced that my whole life. And so I would rather see the sun than not. So I'm, that's why I would pick summer. Yeah. Wintertime's great. Snowball fights are amazing. You know, igloos are made every winter. However, if you're telling me to pick one or the other, I got to go with the Sure. One. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on that one, man. Uh, it's tough because, you know, Texas, we get such brutal summers, and our, and our winters are pretty mild in nature. And so for it's me, it's like can, I can warm up a hell of a lot easier than I can cool down. So, I mean, I can, take, I can put plenty of clothes on. I can't – well, I shouldn't take most clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm looking like meatloaf. You're looking like meatloaf just out there, man. Start singing, man. Nobody even cares what you look like. There yeah, you go. Exactly. Man, that's the gift. Like, like if you're, if you're born like, like just funky looking, man, I, I, just, I probably got better, a voice from hell. I mean, talent. just got a pair of pipes that can just belt something out, oh, right? Oh, God. I hope you have another talent. I was one of the medium guys. I ain't good at anything. Just like hard work. <laughs> That's why I work on computers, man. I got a face for behind the screen, man. Not even radio? Not even radio. <laughs> I don't even have a face for radio, man. We're podcasters. That's right. I'll just stick to podcast, okay? Oh, man. We've got a great guest in store. Dr. Patrick Bisher is a Navy SEAL who first overcame a crippling childhood condition and then a devastating training accident. He offers his own experiences as lessons in defeating adversity. Dr. Bisher, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, caveat to that. My last name is Beicher. Oh, no. So, I'll do uh, it all again. Just, it's fine. Just okay. drop down and give me 50. And all right. Okay. Meatloaf back here doing 50 for the rest of the show. <laughs> Welcome, We're going to have to man. put that one on Welcome. the board. <laughs> and he's a team guy, too. So. Uh, oh, my gosh. Going to send us. Oh, man. Well, man, welcome. Do welcome. I'll do with you. I'll do Thank you. Appreciate that. So do you do you do well, when you work out your exercise routine? Is it anything formulated that we did in Buds? Because we're old now. Like, I, I, although I, sure. I'm, I'm, I bet you remember Buds very vividly because I still do. It's like one of those things you don't ever forget those moments. No, I don't forget it, and I was in multiple classes, so it was a, a great experience. You know, the well, whole time I got the whole experience of Buds. Yeah, full Benny. So I I do I do modified versions of our workouts and. I don't run a lot anymore because I'm full hip replacement. Yeah. But I do I do the modified versions just to the point where I know it's gonna suck really bad, so I'll do it. Yeah, no shit. Because there's a mindset that they push once they break us in. Like they don't break our spirit, they just break everything else, kinda pull it to heel, and then it, it goes from there. And i the other day I was driving, I don't even know why I started thinking about this. It was, it was probably because I was complaining about doing some push-ups or something like that. But remember those times when some of the guys would get in trouble and have to do 2,000 to 3,000 eight-count bodybuilders in a, in a row in a night? I mean, they start to pull yeah. a chair out and just sit right in front all night. And I'm not kidding. You had to do every single one of those. Yeah. Yeah, my buddy, uh, we were doing underwater knot tying, and I was tying a knot, and all of a sudden – I saw something floating across. Dude, that's hilarious. <laughs> get out. He did a thousand uh, eight counts Bro, on the pool deck. The wait, first wait, time wait. I ever saw that happen was a first time. All right, so we got to just explain. We got to do this underwater yeah. evolution. You got to swim down. You got this rope, piece of rope, like a shoestring, shoe right? And there's also a line set up at the bottom of the pool. You swim down and you have to tie these knots that we, a certain type of knots we have to learn. You got to tie it around the rope properly. Before you can come back up. Well, the thing about it is there's an instructor waiting on you when you swim up, right? So you swim down there, and he's looking at you, and he'll just sit there. And then he'll go, okay, you can tie your first knot. So you tie a first knot, and, and then he has to sign off on it. And some of these guys can hold their breath so long, they'll just be sitting there looking at it, and they'll kind of mess with it, and they'll be like, ah. Uh, and they'll have to give you an okay sign. You have to untie it, tie another knot. And then they'll be like, uh, oh, okay, you know, this, that, and the other. And, bro, some of the guys get so nervous that they go down and they – what he's talking about, because I've seen it happen, they, they go to tie their knot and like, does it look good? And the, the rope goes floating away. <laughs> they tied the knot, but they didn't tie it around the line. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, you can't even imagine what happened. Underwater is the best comedy. So, so I don't know if I clarified this or not, but what I saw floating past was not a rope. However <laughs> – it was a big piece of crap flying. <laughs> Same thing. That's a good one, though, dude. 
Somebody deuced in the pool? <laughs> oh, yeah. Twice. Twice? Really? And, yeah, and he's still active. I'm not going to Oh, oh that's, that's cool why the 1,008 counts. I was like, man, dude, that was, that's hardcore <laughs> yeah. punishment. That makes sense then. All right. Yeah. yeah. No shit. Dropping a turd to CTT. <laughs> and he made uh, it, it through. It was bad. And he made it yeah. through. Uh, hey, he man. He did make it through. Yeah. <laughs> he, he made it through. He's a hard dude. Yeah. And he was in my boat crew. And how we, like, He'll took he took the two spot you know the middle spot the oh, so that's the worse oh it's worse you know, he he's he's the guy you know that you always want to be around so that number yeah, our, his, his our number two guys man great. they were something we had one guy he 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 never groaned you know, like never moaned or bitched or anything you never heard him say anything until like four or five hours into it and then he lit out this most god awful scream like he'd been holding it his whole the whole time. And I mean, just blood curdling. And then he wouldn't say another thing for four to five hours. It was great. He was, he was a hard dude, man. Watching some of those, because you can't look cool or look good in Hell Week, no matter how hard you try. That's the whole right. benefit behind it. So you're going through with these guys who are phenomenal at, at most everything that they, they do. But back then when we're going through that, man, there's no, it's chaos. It's, it's the purest form of it, man. It's something, the, the way that, that program is. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. Back this up again. Hey, you got, yeah, you're gonna take us way back because yeah. just the fact that you ended up going to the teams is a huge accomplishment. So why don't you kind of set the stage for that? Sure. So before I ever was, you know, a SEAL for the DOD, you know, take you back to Lansing, Michigan, 1983. I was born uh, to two loving parents and had a great older brother who beat me up, you know, threw me to the dirt, but picked me up and fought for me when, when it mattered. And so I had a good family, a good nucleus, and that I was blessed with. You know, I thank God for that. And I was able to do things with my body that I knew other people couldn't. I was ambidextrous, like left-handed, right-handed. It didn't matter. You give me something and I can do it. So I was blessed truly, physically. And then um, when I was about nine years old, I started to experience pain in my left leg and my hip, my left hip. And that really kind of shook me because I was like, oh, maybe I just pulled a groin muscle because I was in karate at the time when it was big, you know, the, the whole stage, the fighting tournaments, all that stuff. Karate kid was yeah. you know, the awesome. thing. And everybody's going to these tournaments and I had never lost a tournament. I got disqualified in a few, but I never lost. And I was confident. I was cocky. You know, I was just this little spunky kid who's ready to get after it all the time. And then I had my first setback, which I thought I pulled my groin and then eventually it got worse. And as I was running down the street, trying to chase my older brother, I couldn't run the same way that I used to, and it just got worse. So then my mom and my dad took me to the hospital. I got x-rays. And before I knew it, the doctor comes in and he said, you're never going to be able to walk again. And I was like, I walked in here. I'll yeah. walk right back out. Like, Hold on, man. You got what? the wrong room, I think. I came in here for a, yeah. a pulled muscle. <laughs> right. And, and what I was diagnosed with was avascular necrosis, a leg calf perthes disease. And what happens is the hip is here and the socket is here. And for the listeners, it's just a normal socket. 
And but what happened is my hip bone inside of that socket deteriorated. So there was really no bone left. All that was left was like a, a crumpled piece of, you know, if you smash a graham cracker, that's kind of what it looked like on the x-ray. And so they said, well, we'll put you in these leg braces and we'll put you in these crutches and then we'll reevaluate you in a year. And these leg braces looked at their like a diagonal, like I was riding on a horse. I'm sure you could appreciate that, Texas yeah, boy. Yeah. You know, but uh, but I never got off the horse, right? I look like that, and I'm crutching around. And on top of that, the doctor said, you can't put any pressure on your left leg. You can't use your left leg. You can't do this. You can't do that. The only thing I could do to take my braces off was get in the water. So that was my first love of water because I was limited to the leg braces and the crutches every point up until that particular scenario that I could get in the water. And uh, fast well, I won't fast forward, but um, going through that scenario, I was separated and, and really segregated amongst my friends, my peers, my classmates, and everybody else around me. And what I found out at a young age is that kids are being, you know, they tell the truth, they don't sugarcoat anything. And they started to name call me, you know, I got called every name in the book, squeaky, you know, retard, all these things that are kind of degrading to a kid. And they took, I took myself from being amazing at physical activities to not being able to do anything at all. And not a day went by that I didn't hear in the hallway, run, Forrest, run. Oh yeah. Right. And, And it just hit, you know, it hit at home for just a young kid. And what I, what I gained from that is that hard outer shell. Yeah. And it helped me persevere to get through that moment, but I was not white, I wasn't black, I wasn't Asian, Mexican, I wasn't this or that. I was handicapped. Yeah. And I got put in that category. And so I had a chip on my shoulder. I built up this wall, so to speak, and didn't allow anybody inside, not even my parents, not anyone. And the pain was excruciating. And after a year had gone by, the doctor said, well, it didn't end up the way we thought it would. Your hip actually got worse. It didn't get any better. So I spent a year in these crutches and leg braces for absolutely nothing in my point of view. And he said, well, you can either stay in them, go in a wheelchair. So did the braces make it worse? You say you got worse. Did the braces cause it? Yeah, it didn't get any better. So the bone kept deteriorating. So it didn't get any better. And he said, you can do these three options, right? I said, I'm not going in a wheelchair and I'm not staying in these crutches. Sign me up for that experimental surgery, please. Yeah. <laughs> and my parents wrote, you know, they, they signed off on it and that, and I had an, a successful surgery. Uh, so I'll say that first and foremost, I got put in a body cast from the chest down for two months. Know, like one of the old over. plaster casting, the the white the white yeah. one that you see on yeah. the TV with the leg the, raised the old, up. Come on, the man! Old school. Everybody came over. <laughs> Julie, cast, pictures of that. Team got a team guy, bro. If you could send that out here, I'll put it on the wall. But it has to be in the. <laughs> <laughs> I got a couple. I still have the cast. It's in my garage. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. So and, and I keep that as a memory, you know. Sure. To, to know where I came from. Yeah. So. So after that point. You know, another six months go by and 
I get reevaluated. I get my pins taken out, second surgery, you know, trying to recover. And what my leg used to look like now looks like a brittle yellow tree branch, right. you know, ready to snap. It was disgusting and somewhat traumatizing as a young child. And from that point, I said, I'm going to be able to walk. You know, the, the crutches are gone. The braces are gone. The cast is off. Like, I'm going to get up next day. I'm going to start walking around. That didn't happen. <laughs> the doctor said, hey, we're going to go on crutches for another six months and reevaluate you. And we'll see. And, you know, I got sent home after that. And he said, after a few days, or I think he said a week, you'll be up and around. And so after two days, I got up and I crutched outside. My mom started freaking out. She's like, what are you doing? It's like, uh, I'm up and I'm round. She said, no, up, like up on the couch. <laughs> and, and so that was the first test. Yeah. And so you couldn't, you couldn't break that spirit in sure. me to want to do more. Right. And, and so I just tried to push, just tried to push. And the doctor said, Hey, you had a successful surgery after that six month checkup. He said this, but the cool thing was I was the prototype. I was the first kid to have this happen to them with a successful surgery and what success ended up looking like is a deformed hip. So instead of looking like this in the socket, it looked kind of broad and really flat. And it ended up instead of having that nice acetabulum in here and that nice cover, it was really flat. So I had limited range of motion. I couldn't bring my knee up past my, um, past my midsection. And I had no internal or external rotation, so I couldn't move my foot left or right, but I could move it up and down. And he, he was like, this is a success. So knowing that, you know, back then, I was like, all right, this is a success. I'm going to be good to go. And it just, it just got more and more painful is what happened. And I got to deal with that pain every single day of my life. And. I tore like tore everything that I could tear. I went through all of my cartilage and I had bone on bone pain before I was 17 years old. So that's you know the backstory of that painful experience that I had. And I, I'll stop right here if you don't want to ask any other questions about that. Uh, but I can take you through the whole testimony if you'd like. I mean, what were you do what were you doing? What what were you doing to to exacerbate that thing, to, to move it around. I mean, is that, you're talking about it's like physical therapy or is it everyday kid life? You just went on about. I, I did. So I did do physical therapy uh, two times a week, uh, early in the morning from five to 6 a.m. before school. So I would do that a couple of times a week when, um, when the insurance would cover it. And so I did do some of that to gain the muscle strength. But as far as, the mobility, I couldn't actually move my leg because the bone would stop me from moving. Yeah. There was no, there was no range. Of so what they do, they lock that into, they, was it locked into place or um, like hip dysplasia? You could pop that thing out of socket or was it was just, right. they, lock, they I, had I a, couldn't, I, it was just, it, think of it as it just be, it was molded together and it was stuck and I could only go uh, up and down. It's like, know, I could it's only like a regular go, hinge, right? I could only do what I could do on a two mile ocean swim, yeah. which is, I could only flutter, flutter? and yeah. I could only run. <laughs> you know, I was not the two I things you need to do. Either, yeah, right. Do any of that, right? So I, I, I did what I could do. You know, and and so knowing that, 
doctor said, hey, you'll never be 100% again. And this is, uh, what was it? I was a teenager, probably 16 years old. He said, you're never going to be able to, you know, play sports and, and do all of these things. Uh, at a younger age, he told me that. And by the time I was 16, you know, I played football, basketball, soccer. Like I, I did it all. I was like, all right, doc, you're going to tell me I can't, I can't do this. Well, I'm going to go prove you wrong. That was my mentality coming out. And he's like, you're never going to be able to walk again, right? Back, backtracking. And I said, okay, he, he said I'll never be able to walk again. But he didn't say I couldn't take a step. Yeah. So that was my first goal. My first goal was to get to the mailbox because I, I needed to do something for my family instead of being weighted on hand and foot. I mean, I'm talking about feeling like Tiny Tim, feeling worse than, you know, you could possibly feel. Like, what can I do to get one step forward? If I can do one step, then I know I can do another. And if I can't be 100% and he's like, oh, maybe 64, I said, okay, well, you know, that's my, that's my new 100%. And this is me, you know, before I was a teenager, like, okay, this is, this is my new life. I'm, I'm going to be able to, you know, reach the goals and do everything that I've ever wanted because I can do it. You know, that's a, the spirit I had in me. He's like, I can do it. Yeah. Like, I don't care what anybody says. I'll prove you wrong. And, you know, after three days of trying, I got to the mailbox. And I was like, yeah, you know, victory moment. It's a big deal. Like waving the mail. Yeah, yeah. It was a big deal for big me, deal, right? Yeah. And what I didn't realize was I had to get back. You know, it's like I yeah, put right? all yeah. of my energy, I put everything out that I could, and then I finally got there. And when I got there, I was like, oh. <laughs> here we go again. Right. And one thing led to another. I got from one mail- mailbox to another and I eventually walked around the neighborhood and then walking turned into running running turned into this it turned into that and then eventually I was back playing sports again even though it, my hip hurt more than any other pain that I could describe yeah like I broke my arm didn't hurt as bad as a broken arm and it was a, a great clean awesome looking break and it still didn't hurt half as bad as my hip did so that kind of tells you kind of the pain tolerance that I was dealing with as a young kid. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. took that mentality to everything that I went to. Uh, you can't do this. You can't do that. So eventually I got to be a captain on the basketball team and I'm giving everything that I got. And um, I, I went through this experience with uh, an assistant coach, my, my junior year, and his name was Leighton DeVries. And he actually saw that I was suffering and I was feeling some pain and he's like, what's going on, man? What's wrong with you? You know, I was like, oh, it's my, it's my pimp walk. You know, he's like, no, tell me what's going on. 
And for the first time in my life, I opened up to him. And for the first time in my life, I felt like I was no longer squatting 350 on the rack. And that burden went away. And I just, I cried, you know, I poured out my heart to him. And he's like, you don't have to suffer alone. You know, people can be here to pick you up. And that was the first notion of what true team members do for their teammates. Like I know they do in the SEAL teams, but I experienced it with him. And so I, I felt that burden lifted. Things were great. We're about to play our first basketball game. And that morning when I went to go into his office to give him a Sprite, and, you know, hang out because I had him for a teacher's aid class. We were you know, going to hit it off and win this game. The door was locked. So I went to the office and said, hey, is Mr. DeVries here? He said, no. And when, as soon as I asked that, the secretary picked up the phone and she's like, what? Oh, no. And my heart dropped. My heart sank. I knew it was about uh, Lake DeVries. And he had got hit by a car on the way to work in his car. It was icy. You know, he, he slid off to the side and someone ran into him. And I went the locker room punched in all the lockers you know bloody fist just was angry because I felt like everything that I poured into him was then taken away from me and then I felt worse than I did before and he died that Friday and I never got a chance to see him again so I said I'm never going to do that again like I'm never going to feel this hurt ever again in my life so I built up those walls, you know, there was emotional walls so high that no one could come in. I wasn't going to do it. And I had this chip on my shoulder, trying to prove people wrong, angry at the world. And what's next, right? What's the next challenge? So I go into my senior year and me and the head coach don't get along. We disagree on everything basketball wise. But he knew he needed me because I was the best player on the team. And at the end of the season, rival coach calls me. He says, hey, we nominated you for All-State. But, you know, your coach said, no, he's not going to put you on the ballot because you have an attitude problem. Well, I took that attitude problem straight up to his office the next day. You know, I was like, I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to win. And you ruined my whole chance to play in a college and, you know, further my career. My, 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 me, me, me. And I walk in. And my, my hands are just like in fists. Like I'm ready to go at this coach who's 65, 64 years old. And I'm 18. Like I don't have the right mindset moving forward. I have this victim's mentality that he's done everything wrong to me. And it's all his fault. Well, when I go in there and I scream at him and I give him everything that I have, I'm, I'm talking, we're spitting at each other. We're so angry. And I yelled at him and I was like, I wish you were dead. And I stormed out. And I was like, yes, I beat him. I won. Like he, he got everything that he deserved. And as I'm walking down, I'm like, well, halfway through, walking home, like Leighton, what would Leighton say to me? You know, what would Coach DeVries say to me? And it just hit me. I was like, man, I got to go apologize to him. So the next morning I went in, I apologized. Like I'm, I'm going through the apologetic speech, right? And my palms are sweaty. 
I'm like, okay, I can smell the popcorn that he makes in the morning. I'm like, all right, every step gave more and more butterflies. I'm like, what are you doing? You're a man, 18 years old. And I open the door and there he is. He's lying on the ground. He's not breathing. And um, a couple people came in and we tried to do CPR, but he, he didn't make it. And so I carried that burden with me for a really long time. And I can never take those words back. So I have to always be conscious about what I say and what I do, because sometimes you never get the words back. And, and sometimes you'll regret the things that you'll say and do for the rest of your life. So in that moment, I, I had no love of basketball. I had no like idea of what was next. And I'm angry. I'm pissed off at the world. And you know, I want to take this rage out. So where do I go? I go straight to the Marine Corps office and I'm like, I'm signing up, but the door was closed. I'm like, All right. Well, what's next? So then I go into the DB recruiting office and I say, what's the hardest thing you got? And they were like, SEALs. I was like, I never heard of it. You know? And they explained it to me. How old are you now? Like, oh, uh, 22. And you, 20, you just walked into the recruiter's office. Like, oh. Hey, I want to be a SEAL. Or I don't even know what a SEAL yeah. is. Well, so, so, at first, I walked in and, you know, the whole year went by trying to do a business with my father. I did pretty well. I had a long morning business. I'm like, this is not this is not what I want. Like, I'm so angry to have that built up rage. Like a year, a year went by. I'm like, I don't want to do this. I want to go prove myself to the world. You know, there's more in me. You know, I, I want to do great things. I just don't want to live a normal life and make money. Like, that's not where my intent is i don't have a heart to you know, go do that I want to go make the world a better place and and at the same time being angry it was a it was a very weird situation you know yeah. being a young kid like that and and so yeah i just went into the recruiter's office because i wanted to go into the military one to prove myself two to serve my country i know it should be flipped but you know at that time it was it was different for me because i had all this built-up rage and anger and a sense of motivation to prove myself to others because every step of the way in life, they're like, you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do that. I was like, all right, proved you wrong, proved you wrong, proved you wrong. And when I got in there, I, into the Navy recruiting office, they were, they were like, all right, well, what do you want to do? I was like, well, what's the hardest thing you got? I want to be a GI Joe and a ninja. Like, that's what I said. Something like that. Yeah, I said that exact same thing. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I tell my kids, yeah. I, I play the old G.I. Joe cartoons on, on the TV in the morning before for breakfast. That's oh, that's the best thing that the internet provides, was the cartoons that we grew up on. Because I, I think oh, I had man. He-Man on this morning, right? And then G.I. Joe. It's my wife, Melanie. Hi, Melanie. Hi. So, I, yeah. Nice I, to see you. I was the same way, man. I actually found Revenge of the Ninja on, uh, not Netflix, on one of the, forget where I found it. That and American Ninja. So good. Like, probably best movies ever made. Anyways, go ahead. Okay. Um, so I walked in there and I asked that question, you know, what do you have? And they presented it to me and I said, all right, great. What do I got to do? And they showed me the numbers. Oh, you got to run this far. You got to do this, you know, pull-ups, push-ups, sit-ups, and a mile, mile and a half run. And you got to swim 500 yards. Can you swim 500 yards? 
like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. of course. I swim every day. Bathtub, <laughs> sure. all that. Yeah. Isn't that funny? I said, to me, <laughs> like, no. Bro, I, when actually, you first I do that, it sucks, swam. right? It sucks the first time you have to do it. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. However, uh, my office where I came out, oh, and by the way, they said, and it's about an 80% dropout rate. I was like, sign me up. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm one of these elect, select few. And the first time I did the test, we did the push-ups, the sit-ups, the pull-ups, and the run. Didn't do the swim. He's just like, can you swim 500 yards? Yeah. <laughs> so I never did it. When I, the first time I actually did the test was at boot camp. Uh, so, which is, which is great because I was drowning my way through and failed and learned how to do the combat side stroke. At the same time, Senior Chief Rhodes was staring at me with his blue eyes of fire, being like, you little mother. So it was a great time. It was a great experience. And um, so in that moment, I signed up. And I'm ready to rock and roll. Except when I go to MAPS, the military processing station, I end up being disqualified. Why? Because of my hip. And they... They checked it out. They're like, there's no way you're getting in the military. No chance. Like in any line of service. So I kept going back and I kept going back. And the medical review doctor at that station was retiring in two weeks. I was like, come on, doc. I run five and a half miles a day. Like I'm the fastest person in this whole program. You know, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. Trying to prove my point to him. And he's like, oh, all right. <laughs> he stamps me. You know, he's retiring. He Do you remember that doc's name? Like, it's got to be in the in the. I, you know what I'm talking about? It's it's got to be in there. Yeah, it's got to be um, in there. Way to find that dude. But that was it. That was at the Lansing Military Processing Station, and I actually I actually know the person that works there now, so I'm sure I can get him. Oh, that'd be cool. But but uh, and and he said, but you're gonna have to see the dive mo officer even to get into buds. So that's where you have to go through another review to be stamped in order to be, you know, specially uh, special yeah. operations qualified. And yeah, just to go in, you got to get another. There's right. a whole process of, of what he's talking about, and maps might be the worst process ever. And I don't. I mean, it's everything has a process, but I remember walking in there and and thinking, it's like, hey man, oh, because the first day everything shut, all the all the power went out, so we had to stay there another day. And then I remember thinking, if it happens again, I won't go into the military because of how 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 terrible Memphis was, man. (laughs) All right, go ahead. So I I say, all right, that's fine. You know what? You cleared me. I'm sure I'll figure it out, right? And I get to boot camp, and there's no special divisions or anything like that. You know, we're doing flutter kicks and. A kid's over here crying. He needs an ambulance. He's like, you need a ambulance? Yes, sir. <laughs> and I was like, come on, dude. It's just flutter kicks. So I got a taste of what the Navy was like and, and really what I was trying to go into. It was it was comical. It was fun. You know, I had a lot of bonding time there. And I went through. I finally passed the PST with a guy who was going SWIC. And he taught me on the fly while we're swimming. He, he made it through too, by the way. And it's, it was, it was amazing. Like I, I passed I'm like, all right, I'm in, but I wasn't in. 
when I got done with that, I did have to see the Dymo officer. And this is the crazy thing. So this is a God moment where you know it's not me. It's like, okay. I, I go in and he, my medical record's already as thick as, you know, his people's <laughs> <Yeah>, right? <laughs> as thick as ours are now. And, yeah, right. <laughs> and he's flying through. He's like, oh, 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 well, you have a, that's a rare disease. I said, yes, avascular necrosis, lake half disease. He's like, where did you have your surgery at? I said, University of Michigan, Dr. Henzinger did my surgery. And he said, no way. I was his understudy for 10 years. I said, yeah, he's awesome. He, he talked great. about I you all no the pain. time. <laughs> 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 yeah. He told me to come yeah, see you. Awesome. This is like a test case. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, this is great. So we just talked about him and, uh, for some reason, he didn't even get past that. He stamped my stuff. And, you know, okay. Talked. Here's a little, here's a, here's a team guy pro tip for anybody going out there that has to deal with doctors in the medical profession or, or you're throwing your resume out there. If you can get talking like that, like get, get them riled up, man, and start telling a story about something, it will completely shift. And then they really get to know you. That, that's kind of what they're yep. shooting for, man, because words are words, man. But when you actually get to sit down with them and have a good time, I, I've heard that a couple times. Mo, uh, Morgan had that. He had, he had a lot of hardware before he went in. And he's like, man, you just get to talking to them dudes. They'll, they'll, they'll kind of it'll work itself out. Yeah, I'm God moments, man. It's good stuff, bro. Yeah. So, so that, that was that moment where it's like, okay, I'm cleared. And I'm in, I'm in Bud's. You know, uh, my first class was two six one, the the last hardest class to ever go through hell week. That's right, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and and it was great. It was a great experience. Like every part of buds for me was a great time. And were you summer or winter? Actually, you got full benefit, uh, right? You oh, were there for a, yeah, yeah, both. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. All right. That's yep. what, go ahead, man. Any, I, I've been so talking I, to the guys. Any any classes under three hundred, like the Spartans, first three hundred classes, man, that's it. After that, all those new guys, they're not like us. I tell them that all the time, just to remind them. So if you're in the if you're in the three hundreds, then you, from zero to three hundred, you're good to go. It's a little different now, and and I and being a SEAL mentor, you know, like I I've experienced the the pipeline, the end of the pipeline, you know, at advanced training command as an instructor in the very beginning as a steel mentor. So I've seen that process too. And I, I have to agree with that uh, to an extent, right? Like, yeah. Well, there's always instructors there that find a way to make it suck. Sure. Well, but, yeah, well, that's, that's yeah, that's, the program in itself. And every, every team guy like us will always tell the guys that are in and the young ones that they, they suck. They're no good and they're weak and pathetic and they need to get harder. And I'm saying that again. So you guys hear me? Love y'all. Stay strong. Stay strong. Stay strong. Stay strong. <laughs> I love you. Don't ever forget that. You're all pussies. You work hard. I hate you. <laughs> You're soft. <laughs> <laughs>
is what other people were finally experiencing for the first time. Oh, that's a good way to say you that. Got, that's a good way to say that. You got the guys who are silver medalists in the Olympics in swimming, and you're beating them. Yeah. And you have guys who are track athletes who D1 scholarships, and you're beating them. You know, or they're quitting. Quitting. Even better. The the, right? the swimmers that quit. I, I my roommate was one of uh, yeah, those guys, and because well, they come in talking about that. And I remember uh, day one, week one, we, uh, he, he must have been a bodybuilder or something. This is before CrossFit and stuff like that. But, yeah, you know, you kind of look at those guys like, hey, man, that sucker is the one that's going to be there at the end. And he was, he was gone yeah, five, like five minutes. Yeah, right? Five minutes, man. No matter what you think it looks like or what we're supposed to look like, that doesn't. It's, people always ask us, excuse me, well, how some guys make it through and some guys don't. And everyone has a different answer. Every team guy will tell you something different. I always thought it was a sense of humor. You got to have a sense of humor that's allowed to change. I heard somebody say the other day, you got to have a pure heart and a wicked mind. I agree with that too. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a, take one guy from each walk of life in this country and throw him into one fraternity, like one dog pound where they all train us up. Because you run into every type of guy. It's hilarious. And when you're in, yeah. you kind of get shoved into your what it is you do and you don't recognize how unique each one, each one of the guys are. But when you get out, you do. I mean, look at this right. guy. I mean, all the guys that come, even our 60 gunners, freaking 60 gunners, man, will wind up going to Harvard Medical and being the most prestigious in their classes and everything they do. And it's amazing to watch them, knowing how freaking underneath their shirts are covered up in tattoos and they've been to hell and back and they, you know, they can drink to the foam. But then when it comes time for business, they're all business. That's what team guy is, right? right? Yeah, that's cool. That's right. And I think the training allows you to go through all of that stuck right to embrace the suck and then what comes out is the best version of you that, that you could get out of yourself if you're willing to be refined in that fire sure and some people don't like the fire and they don't like it hot so they get out right and the motivation is i don't want to be here anymore well then why are you even here in the first place you know and if it's a test to prove yourself how far you can go then your motivations aren't right and so I, that's why I appreciated the, the training pipeline and um, going, going into my experience and my testimony, it's like I was able to do most of the things that everyone could do. And then if it hurt and other people were hurting, I could push beyond that because I was already experiencing that pain. Yeah. So what was, would you so run from, into that, that gave you some problems? If you don't mind me asking just that, just oh, for guys sure. who are going in with hardware. Cause you're talking about picking your leg. There's certain things that we have to do in certain positions. So mm -hmm. what, what was one of those? You remember? So, so just uh, the easy stuff, like taking off my fin after an ocean swim, I always had to have my buddy Joel take that off. Yeah because I couldn't, I physically couldn't get down there and do that. I was just done. You know, my, my left leg. Hey man, so was it worse when you came out of the water? Cause of how cold it, it was. It, it was worse. I, it oh, was worse. Yeah. I, I felt better when I was running. Sure. And, and that's what I was good at. Like I was good at running. I was good at the old course. You know, I was top five in those, those categories. Five, five, huh? swim, I was always, swim. I was always back, right? Always back. Well, eventually I moved up. Because it's like, all right, I got put in rollback land. I figured out how to swim and, and all that stuff. But uh, the, So did the you dolphin kick or were you a uh, scissor? I was both. I would scissor, 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 take a breath, scissor, scissor, take a breath. And then I would dolphin up to, to look, to guide. Yeah. And then I'd go back down. 
So I had a little. Combo man, I bet if you locked that sucker into place, man, because the boys at uh, the Dolphin Kicks, man, whew. it helped. It helped a lot. Right, it helped a lot to learn how to dolphin kick. Now, without fins, I'm a bad swimmer. I'll tell everybody that. You know, I, I'm the best person at calmly drowning. You know? <laughs> That's, That's what swimming is. <laughs> Prolonged drowning. Because eventually, yeah. if you stay out there long enough, you'll you will yeah, succumb. That's... Right. <laughs> Isn't that funny? No one ever does it like that. Brilliant. Good job, Doc. I put that on the wall. <laughs> yeah, right. So, but with fins, right, that was a great equalizer for me. And, and but the the bad thing was I couldn't even take off my own fins. I had to have somebody else do that. Man, we got and, guys in the program and, that can outswim guys with fins without them. I mean, one of I our one of our officers, thing. man, he just oh. fly past us like it was nothing. Them dudes are the born in the water, and I'm a quick swimmer. And they, I mean, they give me a run for my money without fins. That's, it's amazing it's that crazy. some people can do. It's crazy. Yeah. There, there's a few guys that, you know, were officers that just blew me away. Like they're swimming, their belly buttons are out of water. Yeah, and no, they're it's treading. Ridiculous. And I'm like, try, <laughs> 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 yeah, drowning off their wake, right? They come back right, so right. fast. Like, what, what was that? Like, I'm good. Yeah. Great job, sir. Way to lead the men. You know, I'm freaking just some of them got freaking workhorses, man. But but it was good because when it came time to get in the water, you know, and to line up and, and to get in there, they're like, Where's Bice? Where's Bice? I'm like, I'm right here. You know, skin and bones yeah. over here. And they'd snuggle me. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> Bro, I was a little bitty in bus um, too, man. It was so damn cold. I remember one of the instructors said my dive socks look like beach towels wrapped around my legs. Cause I was so damn little. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's tough to keep that weight on the only when we come out of graduation day the only thing that's really different in us and our weights probably off 10 to 15 pounds between us and our heights you know you'll have your up and downs but man the product that they push out of that sucker is the same yeah you're lean mean fighting machine right ready Uh to ready to get to ready to get to the team whatever so yeah and, and that's so i appreciated that uh, the teamwork and then the pain, right? So getting getting back to that point is that the the pain that accompanied me was the same pain that other people were feeling, yeah. and so much so that it it actually equalized in in the boat crew. So when we were running down with boats on our heads, you know, in the middle of the night, and a certain ensign is going like this underneath the boat, you know, walking left and right not keeping up, not, you know, doing the bud shuffle run. He's, he's leaning the boat so much so that it leans over on our side, on the left side. And as it's going down, here I am thinking Superman, right? Like, Oh, keep the boat up. Like, Oh, it's okay. Well, when that happened, the whole boat shifted and went behind me. And when that went behind my hand was on the D ring all the way back, ripped out of socket. And then the boat falls on us. All the instructors come over, you know, like ravenous dogs yeah. like they are, and just like who did and trying to figure out what happened and you know whose fault it was and like get up, you know, get back in line, go, go. And then you experience that and, and you have experienced that as a student, right? And when you're an instructor, you have that mindset that you're gonna get this guy to quit no matter what. Oh yeah. And you know, and, and that's a good thing. It's like thing. a kill. Sure, man. For a team guys like kill. Sure. And so going over there and knowing that's happening and being in the moment myself and realizing I got to get up, my arm 
has is completely ripped out of socket and it's over on the side. Back here, and I look like, down. Like like, hey, I, is can't, I can't feel my fingers. <laughs> I can't move them. It's like way over here. And I'm like, oh no. What am I going to do? In that split moment, uh, senior chief Tushin comes out there, the master chief now and retired. He's got his flashlight. He's like, what are you doing? Get up. And then he looked at me and he's like, oh, bro. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and the team guy comes out. Like, oh, bro. Yeah. <laughs> when, when he said bro, I was like, all right, I'm good. You know, he's like, you're like, do medical? Like, what do you want to do? And so I was like, all right. Did Martin Riggs that thing? Put it out. Put it out. Turned it back. Put it back in stock. I was like, oh, I can feel my finger. He's like, oh, good. Like, I don't want to fill out that medical report. And so I say, I'm good. Right. That looked like a lot of paperwork, son. I'm glad you did that. Good job. Carry on smartly. I'm good. I've already been through hell. Like, just put me on the other side with you, my right arm. He was like, Roger that. And and that was that. And and from that moment on, I was like, all right. Was this this during Hell Week or when was this? Obviously, first phase. Uh, That was in first phase and a night evolution going down to the Elvigages back. And, and then in that experience, I was like, all right, if I can get here, right. Because my whole mentality was if I can just get 1% better today than I was yesterday, then I'm good. Cause if the doctor told me I could never be hundred percent, they gave me a new you know, percentage. If I could just increase that by one, just by sheer will, then I'll be good to go. So I took the same mentality. If I can grab this boat, you know, with my right arm, and I just take one step, you know, follow the next guy's footsteps in front of me. I'll be good to go. I can finish the evolution. We'll take care of whatever we've got to take care of after that. And and then after that moment, my shoulder kept coming out of socket, legitimately just coming out of socket. We'd go to dive in the ocean. It would just roll right out. And I made it through Hell Week all right. Uh, didn't really have any issues with Hell Week. Uh, with the exception of not being able to eat after Tuesday and got through up until the point where we did life-saving and life-saving for those of you who don't know it and who are bad swimmers already, you Dude. have to take a guy. It sucks. It's not Navy, what you think. That Seal word is deceptive. Right? This guy is a beast in the water. He feels like a shark in the water and you have to swim over to him and say, I'm here to save you. And he's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and, and, and you're going over you're swimming to him and you have to grab you first of all you have to go underwater you got to turn him around you got to climb up go up and over his shoulder and underneath and grab his armpit here so that you can then bend him sideways so these guys are both swimming sideways and he has to stay up and breathe comfortably while you're in the underwater suffering trying to swim your way while holding him getting to the ledge and the odds are not in your favor. So if you're a listener and you're about to go into that at some point in time, I hope that you suffer. Okay. And well, every time, every time I go to pull this guy, he just ripped right out. And when he would rip out, my arm would rip out. So one thing led to another. It's my third and final try. My proctor, uh, he's like, come on, man. I thought you were tough, dude. Like, this is just one evolution. I didn't want to say anything about my shoulder. And I'm like, all right, we'll just do this. Swim over to him. Here to say, if you do the first two iterations, which are okay, and then they escalate up. And then finally, you know, you get the double whammy, so to speak. 
not second phase stuff, but you know, yeah. you get the hammer thrown on you. And and when he did that, my arm ripped out again, and we're floating to the bottom of the pool. I'm extremely negatively buoyant. And I'm like, put my arm back in. I'm like, okay. And as soon as I did that, I noticed he was just staring at me in the water like this, crossed arms, crossed legs, floating. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like a Yoda. Aladdin. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's a huge misconception. Like, oh. The life-saving thing is like, you, you're actually trying to save your own life as you swim in there. <laughs> Dude, I had looked like the Hulk, but then he was oiled up in suntan lotion, has Speedo on, and a dong down to his foot, right? <laughs> and as I swim out there, they're supposed to be on top of the water, acting like they're drowned. He disappears. And I'm kind of doing the up-top water, looking for what's underneath me. Next thing I know, the splash of water, he comes over the top of me, man. I think he was trying to ride me out of there. And I was trying to save his life as he was going through the numbers on me. And when we got done, bro, he was wearing my damn shirt. And he left me a dollar bill. I mean, it was, it's not what you, when you swim in there, no. man, they're waiting on you. And it's, it's I tried to grab that sucker and couldn't grab anything. Oh, you can't anticipate it. It's, no. You know, it's like fighting a gorilla underwater, you know, while they're buoyant and you're not. Or in the, shit, a gorilla in the for, jungle. At least for guys like me. Yeah, know? or the kraken, you know what I'm talking about? Or a shark right. or something <laughs> that's pissed off and really wants your attention in the water. And has a great sense of humor and a bad attitude. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Oh. <laughs> so, That's so he's like, hey, go up. He's like, Fisher, what is wrong with you? And I was like, my shoulder keeps coming out of socket. He's like, ah, I thought you were weak. <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like, you're, you know, you're toughest. And I was like, thank you. He's like, but you're dumbest too. Okay, what do you want me to do? Right? He's Thank like, you. go to medical. You know, so I go to medical. And they're like, okay, well, let's get X-rays on you. Go through that. Meanwhile, the uh, the the review board is up, and they put ten people in the room right at the quarter deck. You know, above that BTC, we're all lined up, and I'm thinking I'm getting sent home. You know, it's like I made it through Hell Week, and then. I'm getting sent home because of my stupidity. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go in first. We're going to knock this out. I'm going to get kicked out and I'll get it over with. You know, we'll see what happens. So I'm first in line. I'm first up, you know, clean, pressed, and tons of starch. Yeah, A.B. Bright, Bright's, right? Just freaking. Right, that's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and, and then the last kick comes in. And then the instructor staff, you know, blue shirts, huge. Yeah. Lower lip, right? <laughs> and and they don't start at me. They start at the kid down here. I'm like, oh, okay. So it's like, okay, you're out. You're out. You know, oh, you're old. You're out. You're out. You're out. And then they finally get to me. He's like, oh, Beister. Oh, I failed this. Oh, well, you know. And then Senior Chief Tumshin at the time, he's like, wait, Beister? I said, yes, yeah, Senior Chief. He's like, you're good to go. We'll see you later. I was like, oh, okay. And then I was gone. So then I got rolled just because he remembered me. Yeah. He was like, ah, I remember you. You're right. So afterwards, he's like, I remember you. You're a pretty tough, man. Just, you know, you'll be all right. So it was like, you know, Papa Bear taking Baby Bear under, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. under yeah, you know, yeah, his arm. Yeah. Like, hey, man, you're going to be It feels good, dude. right? When they do that, you don't, I oh, mean, yeah. you, can't, you can't anticipate how well, how much that means. And they don't even know they're yeah. freaking doing that. 
Do you know that? Right, right. they don't. They got no Later idea. They're still you trying know. to be a. Ah, I, I you know, talked to them. Dude. Yeah. That's one thing you never think about when you become a man, especially an older one. Those moments. I had a couple of them, too. They don't even, they, it's not the moments you think. Everyone's like, I went in with a speech, I gave it to them, I changed their life. Shit, man, I remember none of that. It's the one, you know, when you're walking down haphazardly after something like that, or you're just kind of sitting there after getting your ass kicked by something else, and somebody else happens to walk in and be like, hey, man, you know, I just want to tell you, I think you're funky looking, man, but you're tough, so we're going to keep you around. You know, just whatever. Like, oh, I changed right. my life, you know? <laughs> that moment. That, that moment right there, you know? God. Thanks so, for you guys. So I went in, and then I went in to rehab my shoulder. I ended up getting shoulder surgery and put eight anchors into my shoulder. Uh, I had torn or, you know, what was it? I had? I had it dislocated so many times that the bone had actually started. To so what, your off. shoulder and your hip are the same then? They look the same? Right, right. Basically? Well, the hip was really deformed, and the shoulder is just kind of loose. And so loose. I ended up having the surgery. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, what's going on with your shoulder? I'm not something loose, man. I don't know. I, uh, it's it's not bad. You we'll should see my hip. <laughs> That's a bitch of slacking. Yeah. <laughs> the shoulder's just loose. Oh, hip, boy, that sucker slacked off. <laughs> that's and, awesome and, well the cool thing was is that as soon as i went in for my shoulder for rehab after surgery you know those docs see everything and and everything else and everything in between and they're like they they see me and they go bite like what is wrong with you i was like uh i need to rehab my shoulder <laughs> and they pulled me into their office and they had all their monitors up with all of my x-rays in my hip. And they were like, dude, you should not be walking. How are you here? And uh, you know, right. I'm trying. I'm like, all right, now I'm done. <laughs> They're like, how are you here? What is going on? I said, I'm here for my shoulder. Can you take care of my shoulder? And oh, yeah, right. I don't know anything about all that. that right? <laughs> Bro, you should start changing to be like, okay. All right, you got me. Secrets out. I'm actually a test case for the government, and uh, all of my injuries are to see if y'all are willing to go through this with me. <laughs> just uh, you can't kick me out. I'm here for good. Just uh, let's just right. keep me in the program and see what happens. All right. Uh, I'm the redheaded stepchild. Literally, you gotta, you make up, hey, bro. I'll send you a copy. Of stuff. Just put it on the front of your med record, like so, some alphabetical stuff they use in the military. No one knows what it means. <laughs> Numbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that happened, right? And and they're they're actually rooting for me as I'm going through every phase you go through, and they're like, "Hey, Blaisher, you know, you all right, man? How you doing? Like, do you need any ibuprofen? <laughs> right, right? I'm I'm all right. And and made it through to SQT, and my shoulder rips out of socket again uh, on the last free fall of, of qualifying. And I ended up having to have surgery again. And when I did that, then I took Arabic the whole time. You know, I went to SDSU and then also did it in-house. 
in our training pipeline, which there wasn't really a training pipeline that, that at that time, but it was being introduced. So I took it. I took Arabic. I got pretty good at a level one speaking ability as the test goes. And and then I got back in, you know, got back in the saddle, was a you know, pretty good performer. And then I had that another parachute. Man, those parachutes, man. I had another accident over on Brownfield. Um, had a had a really oh, bad Brownfield. You have your brown pants on. What'd you do? Tear your shoulder out again? Uh, no, my hip bone or my hip popped so loud that the guy who landed before me <laughs> said, "What was that?" <laughs> Somebody's shooting at us, man. So, and, and the whole day, my hip felt like it was on fire. And I knew at that time, I knew I was like, all right, something is really, really wrong. Because if I say that to anybody else, like, of course, something's really wrong. You got jacked up hip, dude. Then I was like, no, this is really, really wrong. And, and I hit so hard that my pro tech split and, you know, the ladies coming out on her four wheeler, like, are you okay? And I'm seeing the sky and I'm seeing the ground and I'm like, oh, I feel fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is normal. Like I said, I'm, I'm something different down here. I'm a test case. So I got to the point where I couldn't operate. Like I went up Kyle's mountain, a little exercise for, you know, the, I was like the second one up behind the OIC and I was the last one down by a couple minutes as a new guy. And going through that experience is miserable because you want to prove yourself to the guys who have earned it when you've earned absolutely nothing, but you can't because you're totally messed up. Like I gave everything that I could just to get up to that point. And that was all that I had left. And my hip bone would lock up so hard that I would have to pop it out of socket, pushing it down just to stand up and letting it pop out of socket and back in to sit down to get in the car. And every morning I would wake up, my wife would put on my sock for me and I'd be like, all right, I'm ready to go to work, be a SEAL. It's like that, it didn't really happen for me. Uh, like the way that most guys get to get in, get to the platoon, prove themselves and, and move forward. And I ended up having to go to the doctor and the doctor was like, hey, you're never gonna be a SEAL again. I said, doc. I've been hearing this my whole life. What do you mean again? I'm already, just, I mean that's not a thing. Well, he well he's <laughs> like, hey, you're never you're never you're never going to be a seal. Yeah, right. Operate. And, yeah, and what so. I heard was like, hey, you're not going to be able to do this again. Yeah, yeah. So when the doc said you're never going to be a seal, you have to be something else. You can cross ray. You could be a cook. It's like that. That was a cool job when you get older, but when you're our age, I, I remember anytime, and it's a thing, because once we go through the program, it's almost like we're trained to never quit. So when the, when we're going through the program and they beat us and we fail something, like, hey, you want to quit? You're like, no, I never quit. And then guys would die, and they'd bring them back and be like, hey, you want to quit? You're like, no, I never quit. So it gets to the point to where it's switched in us. So if, if you tell us to quit something, we've already blocked you out. Matter of fact, what the car go word is, is if you're not the right person for this or you can't do this. 
the minute they say that to us, it's it's programmed into us. They said to I mean throughout pro I mean training programming all that stuff like that. The minute you hit a team guy with that phrase, you better get the hell out of his way because he won't stop. You have to kill him or whatever it is inside of him is breaking or have to be completely broken down. And then the new challenge will go get it fixed and try to go back in until the son bitch dies. That's just the way it is. That's true. That's a, that's the truest statement. And I was going through the exact same scenario that, you know, every seal and, and their mindset, how that plays out. It's like, doc, just fix me up, do whatever you got to do. And I'm going to go do what I want to do. Yeah. And what I realized was, that I physically couldn't walk. I physically, I couldn't move on my own. I was legit handicapped back in the same crutches and leg braces in my mind. Like, or I pushed as far as I could up until this point. And what did I do? What have I done? Like I proved the world wrong about what's possible. That's what I did. I made it to the mountaintop, the literal highest mountaintop that you could achieve as you know, a, a military person or as a warrior on the planet, I did that, me. Like, it was mine. And I had put myself on this certain type of path that I thought I was Superman because I overcome so many obstacles. But my own kryptonite was my pride. And pride comes before destruction, and then you fall. And so when I fell, and I was carrying a dude who was 220 pounds, with no weight and we fell i crashed he crashed i bloodied his face up and he's like what the heck bro like come on it's like dude you gotta carry me and that was the most humiliating moment of my life because i couldn't do the job that i said i could do and on top of that i was no longer an asset i was a liability and that's when i knew i couldn't be the same version of me that i used to be and and through all of this time, I've had this battle in my mind about what I could do, what I couldn't do, like proving people wrong. Like, no matter what you say to me, I'm going to get to the end result. No matter what will happen to me, there's no way you're going to be able to hurt me to the point where I'm going to give up and I'm going to quit. I'm never going to quit, right? I'm never out of the fight. At what point in time did it kind of, did you start to realize that? Instead of you trying to prove yourself to everybody, everyone else is trying to prove themselves to you now. Everyone is trying to be as hard as you are. Like when SEAL instructors literally tell you, good job in the middle of training, they don't do that. So, right. I mean, and then the mindscape you got, you climb that mountain, and when you get that trident, that's our pe The only way you really know something is as soon as everyone else acknowledges it. All right. And uh, are we team guys the day before we get our trident? Nope. No, we're not. Right. When you get that pin on there, really the pin doesn't mean anything. It's so everyone else can see what it is you went through for them because they developed that program for us. It's just finding volunteers to go through that shit, right? Yeah. That's why we get slack and we get respect the way we get it. And team guys are designed to fall. That's why there's only a handful of us. We're the ones that have to fall down and get back up. And I, I had the thing with the pride too. But reputation and what we're expected to do comes with that job, and that's the hardest part when they beat that into us. It's like the nail, every part of the nail. There's certain parts of it you can't see, especially when it's getting hammered through them. So when we come out with that mentality, I don't know if you ever picked up on this, man, but you've been going so hard in the paint that everyone's trying to keep up with you. You kind of set the standards <laughs> well, I, for that. Like when we go into the hospital, I, and the doc's like, I hey, look, man, I've been looking at your damn numbers. You, 
this is off the chain. This, this, I don't even know what that number is. This, this is like, and I'm like, sweet new standards. That's what we right. do. Set the human limit for standards. No one else is doing I did, that. I did. I did pave the way. I, I'm not trying to be rude or cut you off, brother. Um, but I did. I did pave the way. Like I, I was. I was a forerunner in in that space of seeing what was possible for the human body to endure. And that I'll take on because I did do that. But I got to that mountaintop and. Then this whole time, this whole battle, I'm battling God because I was raised in a Christian home. I have a family of believers and I'm saying, God, if you're for me, then why am I going through all of this trouble? Like, why do I keep failing and get up to this point? And it's like I had given myself over to myself. I became my own idol. And that was the problem, not necessarily for all team guys, but for me specifically, I had to give up what I wanted most to be a team guy, you know, to be the first one in the door. That was my number one intention. I mean, I'm, I'm the point man. I'm lead nav. I'm everything to get in first. Well, you got to hand it to the boss for doing that for you. Not getting in your way, but you wanted this is what you wanted, and the only way you could get this was to go through that. That's right. That's right. You know what I'm talking about? So you got. I mean, it's not like why are you doing this to me? It's like, hey man, this is what it takes to get what you want. And this is this is why you have to volunteer for it. That's what will is. Some people don't do that. They get put in these race cars, man. You can use it or you don't have to. How far you want to go? You want wisdom? You want knowledge? We got to give you some puzzles to solve. You want what you wanted? The only way to get it was to go through that. And not only did you do it, I mean, you did it carrying that load, so all of us could see it. We each each one of us have a burden, and I had my ass kicked on that mountain too, bro. <laughs> I mean. Rightfully so. Talk about some humble pie. I made it all the way to the top. He was sitting there right mm-hmm. there. I mean, and dropped freaking Thor's hammer right on top of me and threw my ass all, all the way right. back down it. And why? So, right. like, so hey. I could. So and that's what like hammered it into me. You made it all the way to the top. You learned what you needed to learn. Good job. Now to make sure it sticks inside of you, I'm gonna throw you back down the mountain and hammer it home. Right. That's right. All right. So that's when I that's when I finally gave up my own will and my own desire to better serve my teammates and to serve God. So once I gave up that, like the idolatry of self, it was like, all right, now I'm going to be, instead of being selfish, I'm going to be selfless. And I said, I want to serve you, God, and whatever you have in store for me, I'll do it. Because up until that point, I was battling day in and day out. Like, hey, bless me, but I'm going to go do what I want to do. It doesn't work like that. And once I finally found that surrender moment, is like I once I finally actually did give it up, and I, I think that that would be my greatest never quit story. Is I I did quit, but I started a new mission wow. and a new purpose. So I found purpose in what I was doing outside of self, where I could serve other people. And then once I gave that up to God, I'm like, this is it. Guess what? The door opened to be a seal. And I learned a foreign language. The only team guy at SEAL Team 7 to know Arabic and to be deployed. That's probably a really true, that's a true statement, especially that remembers it. (laughs) (laughs) All the boys that go through the language classes, I'm like, hey, man, cool, you know a language? Like, yeah, just friend. Like, all right, let me hear some. All right, man. And then that's it. They're like, uh, uh, It's like, no, that's Spanish, dude. That's awesome. It's like, all right. So 
I was able to utilize a skill because I was willing to surrender what I wanted to do to serve my teammates at a higher capacity and at a better level than I ever thought possible. And once I grasped that, I was like, okay, I'm not serving myself, I'm serving my teammates. Did I do what I wanted to do and kick doors in and be the first one in? No. I did healer engagements. I did some other cool stuff and you know, got to just experience life in a different way. But I did it in service and I did it as a SEAL. And to do that and to be you know, overseas and still do the cool stuff, but just not the way I wanted to in service to my teammates it, it goes hand in hand oh dude that's so when, yeah that's a good way of saying that brother when i did that it was like okay now here's the next door you know here's the next opportunity and here's the next opportunity and i got that opportunity hand selected to implement the foreign language programs scenario-based training really platform at that time when there was a big push to get every you know dude through the pipeline to get a foreign language and I was the liaison officer for that moment. And I replaced O5 and I was E6. So it's like, you don't deserve to be here, but I'm going to give you some grace. And here you go. What would you do? What have you learned? How would you implement it? And that's the awesome thing about the teams is like, it doesn't matter who you are or what title or rank you have. It matters, you know, what impact can you make towards the team? Then here you go, make the impact. And they empower leaders in that way. And that's why they're so dynamic in what they do. And that's why I appreciate, you know, the, the, the whole entirety of the SEAL teams. Oh, that's the, that's the coolest part about our program is the, the door kicking stuff. That's sex. That's what everyone else thinks is sexy. And we do that, but I mean, we do everything. If you've seen some high speed stuff on TV that you think is cool, them spies do trust me, we do it. Where do you think they got that from? I mean, it's right. like that. And I mean, from under sea to above land, it's, it's, it's the sex. That's why it's so damn hard to get in there, but it's worth it. I, I tell anybody who, who wants to, if they can stick it out, it's, it, it's worth it. Cause it is, it's knowing what the body can take now. Yeah. Knowing what the body can take. So getting torn apart, even in buds training, like the instructors technically, Hey, look, man, your arms torn out. That's cool. We can fix it. I mean, especially nowadays guys, when they, oh, yeah. when, when they get shot up, they're like, oh, take my leg. Give me that one that makes me run this faster. I can yeah. you know, swim through the water at 40 miles an hour. The only thing that, it, that the instructors are concentrating on really is that mind. I mean, it's, it's how you're taking that, that ass whipping that your body's taking. It's brilliant in its development and how it, it keeps, um, keeps growing and what it produces. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, I, I love that part. And, and since they empowered me right, with that particular spot, in the program, I learned how to implement and how to teach what needs to be taught to the new guys. And it's like, you don't need to learn where the bathroom is or how to order food or how to get to the airport. Maybe you need to learn a few things, but this is specifically what we need to learn and how we need to learn it so that we can conduct key leader engagements so that we can do a direct assault so that we can do these things, you know, and, and say the right things and actually learn it. So they gave me the ability to do that and work with civilian staff there. And that's where I gained a new skill set, really. And that's where I was able to implement training and setting that up. So I developed a, a new love for that sort of thing. And that's where I really dove into developing you know, someone 
from in between the ears, you know, from the neck up here and not just physical because I can turn anybody into a, you know, a push-up machine. But can I embed something in you that I already have? You know, can I give you my 1% mentality? Can I give you grit? Can I give you a warrior mindset and shift that? And so that's really what my challenge was. And then as an instructor at ATC, got out. And then moving forward, I'm the SEAL mentor for Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio. On oh, nice work, brother. On the front end. Sure, where you came back, where you yeah. started. That's good stuff. Yeah. That's good stuff, man. Yeah. And, and I got to implement the training that I'm writing out that I'm producing to get these guys from point A to, you know, all the way to Z. And it's the, it was the most gratifying job I'll say that I've ever been a part of because I'm implementing what they need later on so that they can take it step by step. And, and then it just started to morph, right? Because as a team guy, right? Frogman, I'm going to be, ambidextrous sure. and amphibious yeah. and all everything in between. And I started to do that with teams, organizations and CEOs and developing this core curriculum really on how to have and be a warrior in the mind and then how to be a better teammate and how to create the culture that you desire within your company or within your team. You know, what does it mean? What does it mean to have elite teams? Well, here you go. And I created this mentorship program that I call the Grave Academy. And it gives you everything that I've ever learned in the SEAL teams, plus, and then some. You know, after going through that and getting my doctorate in ministry and Christian leadership, like how can I apply leadership, servant leadership, and the SEAL teams? Well, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and how do I apply that? To, to your life, you know, to, to lead, you know, how do I do that? No, no, I was talking to some of the guys earlier that are coming back that get out of the, the, um, when they come out of the teams and look for something to do, just like the old samurai and the, the warriors back in the day, mm-hmm. you fought in the beginning, we learned our skill sets and you go in, I garden, <laughs> don't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. So or the guys paint and, and the most important is passing it back the mentorship right. And, and giving it back to yeah. the kids. The older ones above us, they're not going to listen to us. We're coming back. So I've been calling the guys who go into um, from SEALs into the theology, the, those are the modern Jedis. Because they're the mm-hmm. ones that can go in and actually sit down. They're there for a purpose. And perfect case scenario to teach the kids, all you'd have to do is go in there and live with them. Because they'll see right. what they see, they'll do. How, they, how you see you talk, they're going to talk. They're going to mimic the badass in the room, plain and simple. Right. And if it's the, the warriors that come out like that through the, hey, we got guys that are so damn ferocious that they, they scare earth. Right. But then they got right. that, that pure heart in them and they get out and they're the ones that are actually uh, brilliant at teaching all this. You, you wouldn't think, I mean, they're scary looking and all this. Yeah. But. Well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think, you know, a guy from the inner city and not really very educated, not eloquently spoken, you know, you would think that guys like that wouldn't even get a chance to do something like this right. but the determination and the desire to never quit you know that's that whole mantra that's spoken here like team never quit and if you never quit and never give up and you have a game plan moving forward you can accomplish anything yeah and that's kind of like what i've created in my mentorship program where i I'm like a, the symbiote, you know, like venom attaches to sure. somebody, but yeah. in a good way. 
It's like I go in and help professionals become elite leaders and turn that into championship cultures with that mentorship. And it's not mine. It's just everything that everyone has ever given me. Oh, yeah. Piece by piece. Sure. Put it together. It's like, and, and it's there. So if you don't give up and you follow the pattern right, of success, you're not doing new methods. It's based on proven principles. Right. And it actually feeds itself. Yeah, it feeds itself. Yeah. And if you, if you do it based on the principles that are true, then you, and you don't give up then you will succeed and however long it takes who yeah. knows but you keep at it you never quit you'll be you'll be on your road to success all right tell me about the book bro oh yeah so my book warrior of god is out now and it's to empower the, the leaders and what i call the ecclesia or god's people to wear the full armor of god and how to apply it in their lives so that they can live victoriously with the mighty warrior who is in them. And, and that's Christ Jesus. And so if you want to learn about that and learn about the armor of God and how to apply it in your life and how to apply the word of God in your life to live victoriously with that warrior mindset, then this is the book for you. This is the end all be all right? Book for how to apply the armor of God in your life. And I've t- taken all the principles that we learned in the SEAL teams at the back end of the book and applied it to how to be a, a good, strong Christian man in a world that, let's be honest, is totally disconnected and and segregated and separated. And the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the only way that he can do all of those things is by separating you and being segregated and having division. And so this is about bringing unity to the strong men and women in the nation to win back the country. Oh yeah. That's awesome. When we were talking about that, it's a real thing, that armor, it is. And a lot of people, as we go through it, when we got into the SEAL teams, you get your body armored issue to you, you get your helmet, you get your, 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 your plates, your gun, but it comes at different times. Not only does it come at different times, but you got to earn that. You yes, know you it's do. coming, right? I mean, there's parts of it from your name and your shield. You're from from the helmet, from the sword, and and it, the the relative between the physical, like a real sword, and then your ability to communicate, like your tongue, it can be a double edged sword, or it can mm. be for good things, or it can be for bad, right. and. That gets lost. That was probably the coolest way to explain what it means to grow up. And for some reason, it's gotten lost in translation because guys like us be like, hey, man, at this age, you're going through this. It's going to be tough. But at the end of it, you get this helmet. Right? You're like, really? What does it look like? <laughs> right? and like, there's a shield too. And you're like, yeah, man, you just yeah. keep going as you grow and you keep fighting and, you, and life keeps coming at you. And then you got buddies that show up. And man, you see them going through it and be like, man, look at that guy's shield. Wow. Like right. the stuff that comes out of him, it just deflects and lands right on me and kicks my ass because I haven't earned that part of the shit, right? So it works like yeah. that. It's always well, growing. And it, it, when they say dismantle, you can tear it apart. The cool thing is, is when you get together, right? Yeah. When you're a team, then you're really united together. If you put up your shield of faith up, guess what? The other guy is going to get a shield of faith too because you know you're living it. You're you're showing them how to walk in faith. 
So, hey, guess what? Here's my shield. You know, God's got my back. He's going to give me another one. Yeah. If you have the helmet of hope on, guess what? You're going to have light coming out. Like you're going to have hope. You're going to persevere through all this darkness. And if you have that chest plate, right, <laughs> that's going to stop those darts and those arrows, those bullets from hitting your heart. If you have that chest plate of righteousness on, guess what? You're going to live the right way and your heart won't be deceived and your heart won't be darkened because you apply it in the right way. And, and you do it with the truth, which is the belt of truth. You know, buckled around my waist, I stand firmly in the truth and I don't listen to those things left and to the right that are lies and deceives, you know, that try to attack me, but I stick to the truth. And I always have on the boots of the gospel ready to you know, take it to wherever I'm supposed to go. If I go to the corners of the earth, then I'm taking the gospel with me because I'm a living, breathing human and I'm living, breathing the gospel. Like God saved me on that day when I surrendered. You know, he allowed me to go through that, all of that testing so that I could be the man I am today. And I always tell people, like, if you are going through all of these terrible scenarios in life, don't think that each of these things that happen to you are the bricks or the stones that build up a wall to get to the place that you could never be. Understand that these bricks or these stones are just a stepping stone to eventually make a bridge to cross over the river that you're trying to get to. Sure. I heard of that. Explain to me. That. Go ahead. Oh, the, the other day was uh, uh, the Bible's basic instructions before leaving Earth, and it's the script. Like the, if this is a movie script, so if you're in a situation in life at a certain age, going through something, open that book up, and it's in there. Not only is it in there, I tell you how to get out of it, and not to get back in it, That's right. and and the and the gift that comes with it. Like it's a it's scripted out because but nothing new under the sun. It's playing out again. So mm -hmm. back in the in the day, they took the time to write the, those scenarios out. So when you get back in, and the thing tells the future. It's the only book alive. It's written 2,000 years ago. It talks about stuff going on today. It's pretty cool. I didn't know a lot of that's this, right. but now I do. Uh, and that, that's what's the best self-help book there is, because it's written for humans, for us, right? And, and if you use it right, you can, you can really use the, the sword of the Spirit, which is, comes out of your mouth, right? So it is that double-edged sword. You can either cut people down with it oh, sure. or build people up, or you can cut you know, the, the negativity out and you can cut darkness out and replace it with light. So it's really important. And then the last piece of that armor is prayer. You know, prayer is really like a laser beam that goes through the earth. I mean, you could hit China with it, you know, you can hit wherever with it. So it's how to apply all these things and live as an uncommon man. You know, really, we know that we're all common, but we all have a, an uncommon purpose and, I finally figured it out on how to fulfill mine. Have I feel, fulfilled it all? No, but at least we know our new purpose. You know, we have a, a new target to hit. And then when God has given me this book to get out and given me this message to give out and given me this testimony to give out, he's like, hey, you're still a forerunner. You still got a ton of land to cover. Oh, yeah. You still got a lot of trees to cut down. You know what? Because so, it comes out differently out of a team guy as it does a preacher. Like a preacher, be like, "Hey, I'm this and the other." And team guy, be like, "Hey, quit being stupid. Get over there, because this is what's going to happen. God loves you. Get on." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. All right, well, where can people find you and track you down? And we're gonna, because we're gonna launch you out here pretty soon. Okay, uh, I have my own website, patrickbeicher.com. You know, nothing crazy. 
and LinkedIn, the same first name, last name. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm not really active on that, but if you really want to reach out to me, uh, go to my site and you know give me a message, and I'll I'll answer everything. All right, bro. Yeah, Amazon for the book, everywhere for the book. Oh, yeah, uh, on Amazon. Okay. Yeah, we'll promote that thing too. Perfect. Thanks so much Appreciate for being a guy. Hey, Patrick. Thanks, brother, man. Yeah. Thanks for all you do. Uh, we need to link up. Where are you living right now? I live in Florida now. Oh, good. where? Orlando. Orlando, big city. I'm on my way yeah. to Pensacola. Uh, yeah, I'm on my way to Pensacola for a couple weeks. I, I still do my physical therapy down there every year at Exos, at the Andrews Institute. Yeah. They've been putting me together for 15 since I got got back. So. Um, that's funny. You were talking about you still have your cast. My back brace. I found that thing a while back. Still got all the stickers on it. Like, this sucks. I hate being in it. <laughs> but, uh, shit, man. We need to link up. For sure. Yeah. If, I, if yeah, I'm ever I'll, out that way, if you're ever out this way. Let me know. All right, brother. God bless you, man. We'll keep in touch. God bless you. Have a great day.